Welcome to the Alaskan Journey Podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm an associate real estate broker in the state of Alaska, and my mission is to help you to build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your family by coaching you in real estate. And today, I'm very lucky to be joined with uh, be joined with Nathan, who actually moved up just recently um, to Alaska, and he's going to be talking about his experience of being up here and what his impression has been so far. So, Nathan, thanks very much for uh, taking the cha- taking the time to, to talk with us. Okay, yeah, uh, glad to be here. I've uh, listened to your your podcasts and uh, uh, your your YouTube videos going down the road while driving. So, uh, yeah, gave me some good insight. <laughs> and it's like, and now here you are in the driver's seat. So. <laughs> Outstanding. So where did you come from when you were initially looking at making the move up here? Uh, Just down the coast. I'm from uh, southeastern Washington state, the southeastern quadrant, uh, Tri-Cities, Washington. Um, So just down the coast. And I know Washington state, um, uh, like the Puget Sound region specifically, it's where it's the gateway to AK, gateway to Alaska. It's where a lot of uh, Alaska stuff comes from. And uh, I noticed, like, growing up here and even within the last couple years or so, there were a lot of Alaska plates coming, like, traveling, I guess, in the spring or summer. Uh, and, you know, the U.S., whichever way they come down, at the U.S. 97 or over on the west side, uh, Sumas, I-5, Seattle or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was relatively... Uh, relatively close by it's 2,500 road miles from, uh, Washington state to, uh, Alaska. So it's not, and I did this during the COVID, uh, restrictions, uh, regulations. So back when they were requiring, uh, certain inoculations, uh, in order to cross through Canada. So, yeah. And I hear, yeah. It was only you. One was only allowed to do uh, five border crossings: uh, Oroville, Osuyus, uh, Sumas, Kingsgate, in Idaho, and I think Portal, North Dakota, too. So I, I felt grateful for being relatively close by to Alaska. I mean, yeah, it's we got another country between us, but it's not like being from the East Coast or Florida and then driving all the way across the country to cross and say Washington state, for example, and then he having to get turned around and drive all the way back. Right, right, right. So what got you thinking initially about moving to Alaska? I mean, you saw all the um, Alaska license plates and I'm sure that uh, that piqued your interest, but was there something that really got you thinking about moving and, you know, finally compelled you to, to make that jump? Cause I mean, whether it's, in Washington or anywhere else, it's um, it's it's a big move to move to Alaska. It really is. Uh, the earliest I can remember, I might, might seem silly, but uh, was uh, summer two thousand seven, and I was a minor back then. I just remember reading on the the back of the newspaper, you know, where it shows all the temperatures and and just and from the deserts of eastern Washington where it gets hot. The hottest I think it got was like one eighteen or. Or whatever, one oh seven or one eighteen. Washington, yeah, uh, Eastern Washington, yeah. That's and I'm talking the hottest I've ever seen it was one hundred and eighteen. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was exclusively rainforest. Okay, well, I'm learning stuff here. (laughs) Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, I just remember looking on the back of the newspaper and like, oh, Anchorage and Fairbanks, you know, has the whole country. It wasn't USA Today. It was just the local newspaper. And I remember looking at it like, oh, it's cooler up there in Alaska. And uh, it was just, oh, I wouldn't, I, I want to live up there, you know. And uh, my first time in Alaska was uh, June 2014. I did a fish processing job up there. And I've been there five or six times before making the move up there. And it was around 2019, late the second half of 2019, where I was like, I, I realized, you know what? I'm I'm an adult. I have my own money here. I can move to Alaska if I want to. And so, spring of 2022, May, specifically May of 22, I I did. I decided to, to go up, and I think it was it was one of your YouTube videos or. Yeah, it was probably the YouTube video that inspired me to do it. It was, you really got to experience all four seasons, give it at least a year to see if living in Alaska is really the right fit, the right match for you. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. So let's, uh, let's park on, on this real quick here. Um, the, the part about getting a fish processing job, cause I have a lot of people asking me about that, and I rarely have anything to give them. So with a fish processing job, um, I guess, where was it? And was it challenging to, um, to break into that industry? Um, it's not really challenging. Uh, in my opinion, they're, they're really just looking for bodies. Like I've heard of people, them flying them from Chicago or California, whatever. Uh, I'm from Washington state. So, uh, what, I don't know if they still do this. This was like 2014, but they'll come to, yeah, 2013, 2014, they'll come to like your town. So say Pasco, Washington, Richland, Washington, they'll give you, they'll, they'll hold like a little seminar or a little uh, presentation or whatever at a hotel. And they'll, they'll try to get signups there. Uh, they want you to be drug tested. I, I, I don't even know if they want you to be drug tested, <laughs> probably, but, uh, they want to make sure you have drugs, not that you don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember, I remember one of them, they had like this occupational health specialist there and it was like, they just doing some stretches there and making sure you, you have everything, uh, in order ergonomically and all that. But, but yeah, uh, that, that year, that summer 2014, I did two, uh, fish processing gigs. I was like, I was 20 when I did those 2021. Yeah. And yeah. And then, uh, 2015, 2016 didn't do, uh, anything in AK 2017. I, I did a fish processing gig there and, uh, 2019, uh, I was in uh, Unicee in Dutch Harbor, Alaska. Been to, uh, been to Dutch Harbor uh, two times. It is, it, just my opinion, it is the scariest airport to land in. It just it feels like you're at the end of the world. Um, so there's uh, yeah that that's the one where it's like super short, and then if you miss it, the ocean's right there, right? Yeah, I think so. As a, as a matter <laughs> of fact, I I flew in there August 2019. I flew out like. September 30th, 2019. And then like three weeks later in October, 2019, they actually had a, a guy, uh, a passenger die, uh, from, uh, he was from Wenatchee, Washington. He, he actually died on the, cause I guess the, the pilot of the plane, it couldn't come to a stop soon enough. And then it went into the rock, 
Oh, <laughs> it went into yeah. the rocks and then the propeller crashed through and there was one fatality and they shut the powers that be shut down that airport. So if you wanted to get in or out of Dutch Harbor to say Anchorage, for example, I've heard people were having to take boats to Cold Bay or Akutan. Just yeah. to get out. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, the Aleutian chain too is pretty windy. I know. You know, some people don't realize just how far out it is, but it's uh, it gets pretty windy out there too. In addition to all the the, the ocean and yeah, all the uh, the climatic um, challenges you're going to have there. But I'm assuming that the pay must be pretty good at these fish processing jobs for you to have come back multiple summers, right? Um, I would uh, I would tend to disagree. I mean, I I got a CDL now, so I've uh... I've upgraded uh, my life in in that department, but um, for the right person, I mean, if if they're a, a person trying to get back on their feet or whatever, uh, it's it's a good uh, it's a good gig. Uh, um, I think both times, uh, twenty uh, both of the times I did it in twenty fourteen, they uh, they said at these little informational sessions, they just want you to get to Seattle, which for me that's no problem. It was like three to four hour you know, probably close to a five hour Greyhound ride to, to get to SeaTac airport. And then they'll, they will get you to Alaska. And by the way, if they, if they, if they fly you to Alaska, then by law, they have to fly you out. So whether that means, you know, a person gets fired or quit or whatever, by law, they have to get you back to Seattle or, or Anchorage or probably Seattle, I would imagine. But, but yeah. Um, I had, uh, I was walking, I was walking through the, uh, the deck, uh, the dormitories, um, one time, Unice, this was August, 2019. And I had a guy, he was, he was staring me, sizing me up and down. And then, you know, he, he, he passes me and he, he, I, I look, I look back and then he, he kind of says to me from the other end of the hallway, and this was at the Unice dorms, by the way, he says, do you want to be on a boat? And it was, uh. It was a you know commercial fishing boat. I think it was a catcher processor or whatever. But uh, I, I declined the offer. But it was just it was one of those things where just get in and go. You know, it's like they, they need a guy right now. Um, that might be what uh, people are thinking about or wanting to know about. Uh, there's also some groups on Facebook like uh, uh, Bristol Bay. Uh, you know, just. One of them is Bristol Bay something, and it's, there's just all sorts of, oh, like oh, I'm 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 ready to work hard or be a deckhand on a boat or whatever, and it's really just show up and what I've heard a lot is just show up and and walk walk the docks. But I mean, if you want to stay at uh, any of these fish processing gigs, uh, you know, just stay there and and stack your cash. And I think a lot of them do. I I, I can't think of a single one that doesn't they so they take out money for room and board like if you work they'll take out 10 15 10 to 15 whatever dollars uh a day for uh room and board and i i think every single one of them does that so that that is something to be aware of gotcha okay so, <clears throat> so you are making a um uh per hourly basis it's not like when you're on um on a on a vessel and you're making some kind of a percentage of the catch. Yeah, there's a, so there's land, land processing plants 
and there's also uh, fish processing vessels, and uh, quite a bit of them do the uh, they do the like a percentage catch, whatever the boat makes. Uh, O'Hara on Craigslist, I know they're always advertising O'Hara Corporation. Um, that one I've never done that one, but it's like sixteen hour shifts, um, and the one I was on, yeah, the both of the boats I was on, they were doing um, hourly. So, but yeah, uh, the first boat I was on, it was called the SS Ocean Phoenix, and that was like the largest fish processing vessel. They that one got sent to South Texas and sold for scrap. <laughs> <laughs> the the other one, uh, the Gordon Jensen, uh, that one I think they're trying to sell that one now. I don't know, but that one is. That one is like an old World War II warship or something. It's just. I mean, yeah. I okay. Let's let's go buy it then. I mean, I'm I'm sure we can get it at a discount. Can resurface it somehow. I'm sure it'll be right as rain. <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, there's there's people. I mean, just like Anchorage, there's so many uh, cultures and uh, ethnicities and nationalities. Um, you know, Africans from Africa. Uh, the second boat I was on, the Gordon Jensen, there was. Uh, uh, Serbians and Ukrainians. Uh, I mean, they'll, I'm sure what I heard is, uh, the Serbians and the Ukrainians, they'll come over here, their work, they'll work like one month or three months or whatever on these fish processing. And then they'll, they'll take like six to eight months off over there. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it'd be very doable. Cause I mean, the, I mean, how much you're making, that's, that's pretty decent, like, even if you're here. But if you go back to those countries, like, that dollar is going to stretch a lot further. So, yeah. okay, well, that's that's awesome. You know, i am um, never actually met someone who has the experience of working in a fish processor before, so I, I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, so you, it sounds like you drove through the Alcan then. Um, it was a uh-huh. couple couple of years ago at this point, you know, we were still kind of dealing with COVID and everything. Um, did you have any issue getting through the border? Yeah, absolutely. So I drove up, uh, May of mid May of 22, you know, and that's, that's May through September. Uh, I'm just letting everyone know whenever, wherever you're listening to this right now, it's July of 23. And it's, uh, so I drove up mid May of 22 I, uh, I took the Cassiar Highway, so I went up the 97 to Prince George and then went west on Highway 16, BC Highway 16, then took BC Highway 37 uh, to Nugget City, Yukon. And uh, yeah, I got turned around twice at the Canadian border. I finally got through on the third time. Um, I wanted uh, one of my parents to drive up with me, you know, just to, to you know, have someone to you know, change the wheel with and, you know, share the driving and and take, you know, you know, rest breaks or whatever, you know, switch drivers. But, but yeah, um, incidentally, October of 22, uh, the Canadian government, they finally got rid of all the COVID, supposedly COVID uh, regulations and restrictions. So uh, you, uh, one does not need to have uh, the, the inoculation in order to drive through Canada to Alaska. Uh, so uh, what I had to do was on the second time I got through the border, uh, I had to, well, okay, the first time 
uh, I, you know, they're, it's just like you said, Jamin, they're not at the border. They're not really, it's not really their job to be nice and to have customer service. Right. Yeah. They're, and, uh, they're not rolling out the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they said, okay, well, uh, you need to have your employment contract and you need to have your hotel reservations. So, Okay, you know, I okay, and the guy basically said, "Look, come back tomorrow. We're having a, this was like one in the morning on the first try, so come back tomorrow. We have a skeleton crew right now. So okay, so I come back tomorrow. I, I print out the actual employment contract um, on, you know, on actual paper since anything you know legal or government whatever it has to be on paper. If it's not on paper, it's like it never even happened, right?" So I do that, and uh, and by the way, the on the first try, the guy said, "Oh well, I, I think I showed him the email uh, that or some sort of paperwork." Uh, yeah, I yeah, what it was was I printed out an email. I had the email on paper, and, and in the email, and you know, with my job in AK, it said, "This is not a contract of employment." And so the the border guard caught on to that, and he says, "This this is not this is not an employment contract." And so the guy said, "Look." And he said, oh, I've never, and this was like the first time driving to AK ever. This guy, um, he said he hasn't, but he said, um, look, you, there's no way you can make it to AK in three days. You know, you can, it takes, you know, four or five days or whatever. You need to have your hotels booked. And so I, I come back the next day or, or whatever um, with the, with the employment contract and just in case I had the hotel reservations, uh, which by, which by the way was, uh, you know, you can cancel and refund the hotel reservations. And what, what I read on a, there, there's so, so there's a couple of Facebook groups out there like driving the all can that a bunch of people post on and, and give uh, decent information. So um, anyway, and, and one person commented, he says, the, the Canadian government or border control will never admit this. However, the reason that they want you to have your hotels booked is to stimulate the, the economy there and support local business. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I was in a van, which I can sleep in. I have a, I have an all wheel drive cargo van and, uh, but yeah. So the second time, uh, we got through, um, uh, we got a little bit farther than the first, um, they, they, they said they would let me through. However, my traveling partner, they wouldn't let them through because they, because they didn't have a job in AK and, or residence or whatever. And so I had to drive. Okay. I'd, I'd never heard that before. Well, I guess the people I've talked to, it's been like a spouse or someone like that swapping them out. So maybe it's different if it's a parent, but it's the first time I've heard of that. Yeah, that that's what um someone with uh, the company at the time like I heard like oh well this this person who also isn't inoculated got through with their significant other but yeah so uh, what I had to do was I uh, had to drive to Omak Washington on the US ninety seven which was the nearest kind of Greyhound bus style station there and and I, like I said this is not. It, it is we're grateful to be where we are, not like Florida or the East Coast. So, but yeah, I, I got them uh, 
a Greyhound ticket, you know, four to five hours, or maybe there was a motel involved. And then I drove back. I finally got through on the third time. And, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, and they didn't even, as far to my knowledge, they did not even make a copy of, or keep a record of the employment contract. They didn't really seem to, they sent one guy out to look at this employment contract and the, and I printed, I wasn't sure, you know, how much they would need or how strict they would be. So I just printed out the whole thing, which was like almost an, or, you know, three quarters of an inch of paper. And the guy, the, the Canadian border guard, or he kind of commented, I'm like, well, you print out a whole lot. Yeah, I, I was. And I says, yeah, I wasn't sure how much you needed. So I just printed out the whole thing and have, you know, most of the thing is just rules and policies and all that. It's like, and this and, is, uh, uh, this is my third time, man. I'm not doing this a fourth time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. And they did not even look or ask for the hotel reservations. So, I uh, I got those refunded, and I slept in my van on the three-day trip to Alaska. Um, the first fuel stop was Clinton, British Columbia, and then Prince George, BC, and all that. Um, I wanted to try out the Cassiar, just because I hear that's a, a road less traveled. And it's, you know, it's in the spring and summer, so the, that's the appropriate time to, to travel it. Uh, it took me three days of driving to get to the Alaska state line, the state border. And then um, I got into Palmer at about two in the morning on uh, the fourth day. So, yeah, basically three days of just driving by myself. And I want to say 12, roughly 12 hours, give or take, of driving. But, but yeah. And so what were the road conditions like? Uh, on the, the end of the Cassiar, oh, um, so I, I stayed the night in my van at, uh, at some rest area on BC Highway 16, and it was cold. This was mid-May of 22. It was cold. But when even in, in Teslin, Yukon, it was cold. But when I got to Alaska, it was pretty, pretty warm, which I guess, and I uh, is because Alaska is near the ocean, but, um, yeah, the, the road, uh, yeah, the 97 was all right. The 16 was all right. The, the 37 was all right, but I actually have a video of this. When I got to the very tippy top of the highway 37, the Cassiar, there was like this snow melt. I actually have it on my YouTube channel, this video of snow melt, and it was just flooding the the Cassiar and it was and there was this Canadian DOT guy right there, you know, probably just watching, you know, make making sure passing cars are getting away out right. So, you know, I have my four way flashers on and I speak to this Canadian DOT guy and he says, Oh, don't don't even worry about it. Everyone's been making it all day over this, you know, little water, you know, it's just like the covered <laughs> wagons. They gotta anyway says, Oh yeah, don't even worry about it. Everyone's been making it all day, even the little the little cars, you know, and I have all wheel drive, so that's good. So but yeah, I made it across that. Um my favorite part of the drive for some reason was Destruction Bay. I like that. And then yeah, it's just like what other people said. I think between Toke and the border, there was just there was a lot of potholes there and I was behind this trucker. And he, it looked like he was trying to get me to pass and he, <laughs> to pass him. And he was just on the right. I don't know. He was trying to get me to pass, but you know, we don't have any radio communication 
but but yeah towards uh i want to say yeah between oh destruction bay or beaver creek and you know obviously between the border and toke it's like craters of the moon but but yeah um i would i would really only do it do the drive in may through september um and just just i didn't have a flat tire i had basically almost brand new all-terrain uh tires from les schwab and yeah it just just make sure your vehicle your rig whatever it is that you drive is just uh up to snuff and make sure you're on top of your maintenance because when you know it's you're driving to alaska it's the drive of a lifetime and it's you're in a foreign you're in a foreign country canada so it's like you don't want to have any breakdowns yeah i mean i'm trying to think but i don't think there's any other highway in the entire like north american continent that's going to be quite as challenging as the alcan so i mean you're talking about really making sure your stuff is good to go it's like you know that's kind of the ultimate challenge for any car <laughs> i mean i i can't think of a whole lot of highways that are that are more challenging than that one yeah um i i know that with my rig personally you know i don't drive a, a toyota prius or anything so i, I have a 5.3 v8 motor uh, four-speed transmission so you know, I, I know that I can at highway speeds cruise control sixty to sixty-five miles an hour. I can go roughly, you know, a good without having the the gas gauge drop too far, three hundred miles before I need to fill up. You know, and the the best I ever got was like eighteen miles to the gallon. Um, I have it all calculated on my Facebook page, but but yeah, uh, just got to know what kind of rig you're driving like if you're driving like a little gas saver car like prius toyota corolla whatever it is that you're driving like a little four-cylinder gas motor car you're probably going to get better gas mileage than i did and probably spend less on gas one would hope so like i've uh i've got that little prius and uh, let me tell you i have traded respect on the road and i certainly expect to get gas mileage as my exchange <laughs> Oh, you did you say you get less less respect on the road? Oh yeah, in a Prius, yeah. Oh. Like no one's gonna take you serious when you're rolling up in a Prius. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the I forgot to mention this, but I I did it probably during the the worst time that you could possibly do it because I think gas prices went up in late February March of twenty two because oh, of the whole thing right. that happened with Ukraine. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> driving through Canada was like like two. You know, I, I had to do all sorts of calculations on my, my phone calculator. It was like 219 a liter and all that. And, uh, you know, I use, I didn't carry any Canadian cash. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah, um, I use credit cards. So I had to call the, the credit card uh, or the financial institution. I'd say, hey, I want to authorize this card for use in Canada and I think on one, at least one of the cars, there was like a foreign transaction fee. It's like cents on the dollar. But I got the um, the REI uh, credit card with a great credit limit. And that one has no international transaction fees. So that's good. And I guess in, in the current present time with how the Canadian dollar is, like, by the way, I went to, to Prince George Costco. And I, I did the, the math there, the calculations. It was like... 
wow, this is actually cheaper to buy it in Canada because you see like, oh, $1 is equal to 78 Canadian cents or something like that. There you go. Just zip over the border and get your shopping done and have the best of both worlds. (laughs) Okay. So what are some tips you would give people as they are looking at doing the Alcan? You know, we've, uh, we've talked a little bit about making sure your rig's good to go. Um, you know, making sure you've got, well, you know what, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and give your, your tips. So if you had to give someone your best tips, advice for, um, trying to make it as smooth of a process as possible to get through the Alcan, what would you say? Uh, well, number one, I see a lot of people on, um, the social media, whatever they, the, the, this question gets asked hundreds of times and even thousands that's like oh do do i need a passport to travel through canada just get a passport they're good for 10 years i mean i i got my passport renewed in 20 early 2021 so that's good until 2031 so and it's the passport is the best form of id nobody can say no to a passport and i've heard of people oh yeah people Say, oh, you, you, you just need a, to show your birth certificate there at the Canadian border. And I'm like, okay, yeah, if, if that works for you, whatever. And, you know, nobody's, well, I can't force you to get a passport. That's just my recommendation. And passport, you know, you can use that at ID at airports and wherever. So uh, number one, passport. And uh, early May of 22, before I made the drive, I think I paid uh, a few hundred bucks for like new brake rotors, um, whatever, whatever it is that the mechanic said, I think I, I took it to the mechanic, uh, excuse me, that I go to. And he's, you know, I, I think I just had him looked at, look it over and he said, Oh, it needs new brake rotors. So, I, you know, I just paid for that. And, and I had, I had new tires, all-terrain tires, um, from spring of 21, so those are good. And I think it was in one of your videos or, or podcasts or whatever that said at the very least, you know, I, I hear people asking, oh, Blizzak tires. But those are I think those are correct me if I'm wrong. Those are specifically for Alaska. But, uh, but I think you're saying at the very least, the bare minimum have all terrain tires. So I already had the all terrain tires basically brand new. I really wasn't even though I had a spare tire underneath this van. I wasn't worried about a tire blowing or going out. Um, I did have, uh, I have Verizon. I'm a Verizon guy. So I did have cell service going through Canada. I think it was like 25 megabytes a day. So, so yeah. And uh, there was no, yeah. Um, But yeah, and yeah, just, just know everything about your rig. Just make sure that your vehicle, your rig, whatever it is that you drive, whether it's a SUV, sedan, or pickup truck, or whatever, and just make sure it's up to snuff and uh, you know, you're on top of your maintenance, whether you maintenance it yourself or you take it to a mechanic uh, like what I did. Um, yeah. And just know how far that you can go. I, I By the way, I didn't carry any spare gas cans. I just, I kind of wanted to, and I was like, I didn't want to have to deal with uh, the stench or the fumes inside the vehicle. So, and by the way, uh, the Canadian gas cans, I don't know if anyone uh, listening notices, but the, the Canada gas cans, they still have like real gas cans. Whereas here in the States, it's like, um, 
what is it? It's like there are all all these so much safety features and ventilations mm-hmm. and and it's just I sh- I should have bought a gas can or two in Canada. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, woulda coulda shoulda. All right, so you've uh, you've been up here a time or two before, so I'm you know I imagine that um, um, living in this part of the the states probably not throwing you for too much of a loop, but. Um, from your perspective, what are some of the pros and some of the cons of Alaska so far with actually living here? Yeah, so uh, I got through my first winter there in Fairbanks, and it was, uh, for, I guess, from what I heard from people is I chose a good one because I guess it was pretty mild by their standards. But yeah, the pros and cons, you know, there's there's going to be pros and cons to anything. Nothing's a perfect match. Um, the pros and cons with Alaska is, I mean, if you want to go to or from Alaska to the lower 48, it's, it's either a three day drive. I mean, I, I guess I did it in three days, four, if you want to get technical. Um, but yeah, it's a three day drive to the States where you got to spend however many hundreds of dollars on a flight, uh, probably to Seattle or, or Portland or wherever. And, um, yeah, I mean, you just gotta be okay with uh with living with less and it's just this this is just what i noticed fred meyer and walmart are just a little bit more uh but not terribly too much uh costco for some weird reason is like 10 cents higher on you know a thing or two there and i've, I've seen the the price of uh one thing at costco be like five bucks more or so there um rei is the same price i don't know how long they're gonna keep that but yeah rei is the same price in alaska as they are in the 48 so hope they don't change a good thing but um yeah in alaska there's no state income tax there's no sales tax so that's good it's just the increased uh cost of uh shipping things and and uh i get one guy i talked to he said that he considers like just the, the little bit more the 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 increased cost of things in AK. He considers that his Alaska tax, which, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. But that's uh, I've never heard of that before. But that's that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I had the Alaska windshield. Uh, I saw the Northern Lights, which uh, the Northern Lights uh, do look better on uh, in photographs as opposed to the naked eye. Yeah, and every now and then, though, you do get that one show that is just does all the photos justice. And, I mean, you get a couple of those. Uh, This past winter, I think it was early on, like around, must have been like October. Like, we had a really good show here in South Central uh, around Wasilla and Eagle River. So, it it does happen. But, uh, yeah, usually, you know, the, the cameras that have, like, you know, can adjust everything they need to can usually make them pop a lot better. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I think there was one uh, light show in, I want to say February that I went to, I went up to Cleary summit and there was a bunch of uh, tourists up there, you know, snapping photos at the lights. And I remember going back that night to uh, the place I was renting. And I remember thinking it was just like a, how do I put this a surreal experience? Like I just remember being grateful for living up there, you know, in the winter months where, you know, seeing the Northern lights, that's on a lot of people's bucket lists. At least I think so. But it was just a surreal, like 
I just saw the Northern Lights and here I am back in the living room, you know, where the couch is and the bedroom and all that. It's just, it's just kind of a cool feeling, like, like really uh, ethereal. That's, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because after a while you kind of, you kind of become a little blase. You kind of start taking some stuff for granted, but you just have to step back every now and then and just kind of remember, Hey, I live in a place where most people, it's like a bucket list that they get here at all. <laughs> exactly. <alone> live here. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I know at least once a week, uh, even though I was, you know, just working a job and, and living in the city or whatever, it's like I got to had to remind myself at least once a week. Hey, look, I'm living and working in Alaska. It's like what? It's Not a whole stuff. lot you can do to me at that point. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Well, Nathan, I really do appreciate your time, sir. And um you know, I really appreciate you sharing your, your perspective and what it's like living up here with, uh, with those who are considering making the move yourself. Um, you know, hats off to you. A lot of people think about doing what you've done, but you actually went and did it. So congratulations and glad to have you right down the road now. Okay. Yeah. And if, uh, if you want to chat again or some other time, uh, just let me know, shoot me a message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we do have the, the monthly meetup, so I'll make sure you get the invites for those as well. Okay. All right. All right. Well, good talking with you, sir. Um, everyone else, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.